Hi, everyone. Sam Harrelson. And we're talking about Genesis. Uh, I have a couple of questions on Facebook and, and some Twitter DMs and some Instagram instant messages and got a couple of emails, all sorts of inputs. Um, so I, th I thought I would circle back around and, and kind of uh, use thinking religion as a way to address those. So if you're not following, we're doing a, um, or I'm doing, you can participate by following along, I guess. But uh, I'm doing a, a regular nightly series on books of the Bible that I like to study. So we started off with Mark, and then we skipped over to uh, James, and then First Peter, Second Peter, and then Jude, and then skipped all the way back to Genesis. Jude, you know, it's very short, so it only took one night, but still counts. It's a book of the Bible. So we've covered, you know, a good chunk of, of um, kind of uh, a, a few books here, five or six books. And now we're knee deep in the creation stories in Genesis. So every night on Instagram and Facebook, I post a uh, just kind of a, a short reflection based on my study of these texts and, and my interpretation of these texts. It's not a canonical understanding. It's not something that you should take, you know, for, you know, uh, um, um, you know, kind of the overall understanding of how these texts should be read. This is how I read these texts. And that's what social media is all about, right? Like sharing our opinions. So I'm just telling you, okay, this is how I read Genesis chapter 2, verse 11 through 18, whatever. Um, so in this case, I thought it would be kind of fun to use the podcast to extrapolate on some of the questions that I get about some of those reflections because I, I get a, a few questions a day, <laughs> which is great, and I love it. So please, if you have questions, however you're consuming this, if you're following me on Instagram, link down below in the, in the show notes here, or Facebook or Twitter, feel free to to send me a question. If you want to email, it's just sam at samharrelson.com, and that'll get to me. Um, and anyway, I, I, I just really value that that feedback it's 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 fun to be in conversation with you all about this stuff um so if you if you agree if you disagree if you think nfl players should kneel if you if you think nfl players should stand up during the national i, I don't care i don't care about the nfl but if, if you have a question about the uh, i mean i care about the players god bless them can't i, I why would anyone play well 60 million dollars a year i guess but why would you play football right now like i i, I have a i have a what, four-year-old son, and I, I don't ever really want it to introduce him to football. I'd rather he be a NASCAR driver, to be honest. And my favorite driver is Ryan Newman, and, and he got a huge bracket Daytona this year and almost died. But he walked out of the hospital three days later because of all the safety stuff. Like, why would you put yourself, like, in a football helmet and go through all that with, with knowing what's going to happen to your brain? Um, anyway, um, all this to say, if you have questions – Feel free, reach out, please. Don't don't hold them back. I, I'm not going to say that the only uh, bad question is the the question you don't ask because that's not true at all. I get lots of bad questions, but the question that you don't ask could be a question that someone else has on their mind. And we're going to talk about a few of those today. None of these are bad questions. But if you do have a question, feel free, reach out. I'll tell you if it's a stupid question or a bad question. Sorry, I shouldn't say stupid. My four year old son tells me all the time, "Dad, don't say stupid." But uh, here we go. So, thinking religion, 101, back to the basics, talking about the Bible, talking about
talking about uh, Genesis here. So first question up is why was or why do I say that uh, the serpent in Genesis two in the second creation account? Okay, so let me back up. The question is why do I say the serpent wasn't Satan? And if you go back and read my Instagram post, you'll know what I'm talking about. But further back than that, there are two separate creation accounts. The first creation account that we all know and love, where it says, you know, um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And, you know, there's this grand cosmic God in Genesis 1. That was a much later interpretation of creation. And then we get this more... I don't know, 20th century scholars would call it primordial or, or older telling of the creation of Genesis 2. And that story is actually a little bit older or much older than what we get in Genesis 1. So even though it's the second story, it's actually comes before Genesis 1. It's kind of like in the Gospels, how Mark was the first gospel, but Matthew comes before it because it has a genealogy. And we all love you know, pulling out the genealogy in Matthew during Christmas time. So, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So Mark comes second, but, you know, Mark was actually predating Matthew by 15 years at least. So keep that in mind. So here in Genesis, we have Genesis 2, which is the older story, compared to Genesis 1, which is the kind of newer story. I'm a late dater when it comes to the Old Testament and or Hebrew Bible. So I, I like to always emphasize that. These stories really weren't put together until way after the exile. Um, they, they were being formulated during the exile, probably, but it wasn't until we get to something like the Hasmonean period, that, that we, which is around 180 to 100 uh, BC, that, that we get you know kind of the formulation of, of a lot of these texts. So I'm, I'm kind of a late dater. So you, you know, some people might say this dates back to. King David or King Solomon in 960 or, or you know, King David in 1020 but BC. But uh, I, I tend to err on the other side of, of that. So, regardless, the second story is earlier than the first story, even though the first story comes before the second story, because it's, it's, it's kind of a, a nice way to put it. So in the first story, we get the world being created, all the systems, the cosmos, God, God separates the, the chaos, the Tiamat, as we would say in ancient Near Eastern uh, religion, God separates the dragon, um, the waters into the firmament and earth. And then we get, you know, the plants, then we get the animals, then we get the creepy crawlies, as Genesis 1 says. And eventually we get to humans, and humans are the last thing to be created in Genesis 1. They're the crowning achievement, right? Genesis 2 is completely different. Genesis 2 starts off with God creating a uh, a, a man first and it, it literally says an, a man which is Adam we don't call him Adam um, but God creates this man first and then God decides you know uh, well maybe I should make this man do something so God creates this garden out of the earth there's already plants and stuff but God creates this beautiful garden for man and inside of that garden, there are two trees. I'm not sure why God puts these two trees in the same garden as man if God, if, you know, God didn't want man to mess with these trees. But you get the, the tree of, and this is, goes to another question in a second, the tree of uh, life, which offers immortality, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which offers the knowledge of good and evil. 
that's where we find our serpent, not the tree of life, tree of knowledge of, of good and evil. So you got you, you have these two trees in this in the center of the garden, and you have the four main rivers flowing out of it: Tigris, Euphrates, Gihon, and Havilah. Um, people like to say like the Havilah is the Indus River uh, over in India, and and the um, Gihon Spring is, is the one under Jerusalem, or it's the Nile River, and we all know the Tigris and the Euphrates River, which are in Iraq, modern day Iraq. But uh, it, who knows? And, and that's not the point. So, um, first question about the serpent. All that to say, man is, is placed onto this garden, and God sees that um, even though he's created this beautiful garden and man is supposed to, to keep it. Man's a little lonely or needs something to, you know, pep him up. Maybe man's sleeping in a little bit. Maybe there's a COVID outbreak and, you know, man's kind of like sleeping in until 10 o'clock. And God's like, you know, like maybe I can spur you to, to do some stuff. So God decides to create a helper for a man. So he creates all the cattle of the earth, as Genesis 2 says. Cattle, you know, because maybe, hey, cattle, huh, huh? So I, I always imagine <laughs> in Genesis 2 that, that God is kind of like bringing, bringing like koalas or, or you know, like, a, like an aardvark or, or, you know, a skink or, or something and being like, hey, how about this guy? How about this guy? Cuddly teddy bear? Teddy bear? Huh? And Adam's kind of like, meh. And then finally God figures out, oh, he needs another human. So out of Adam, God creates a woman. So in this case, in the Hebrew, it's ish for the man, and out of the man, God creates ish-ish, which is woman, which is kind of a, a fun play on words, um, and it explains why those words are what they are. So out of man, God creates woman. It, you know, hierarchy aside, this isn't about man being superior to woman, as we've traditionally used it in, in Western European colonialism, um, but instead, this is kind of a, a beautiful creation story about being naked and giving you over yourself and, and participating in, in the creation in a, in a very bodily fashion, which, which I, I do love. And I, I personally like Genesis 2 better than Genesis 1 because God kind of seems like a much more relatable God. And when I think about God, I think about God walking through the garden in the, the late evening breeze as we get here in Genesis 2 and 3. So anyway, so, so God creates this man and this woman, and everything's going swimmingly until... Uh, one day the woman sees a serpent in a tree and the, it doesn't say that in the tree of the life of, or in the knowledge of good and evil, but the woman sees a serpent and the serpent offers her, offers her fruit and says, Hey, you know, if you eat this, this might happen. But if you don't, you know, who, who's to say? So it's kind of like this, um, this play on words because the serpent is using God's words against the woman, even though according to the text, neither the serpent nor the woman were there when the man gets the command not to eat from those two trees in the center of the garden. So the woman has it by hearsay and the serpent maybe has it by hearsay. We're not sure. But in the Hebrew and in the Hebrew Bible, there's no intention of this being Satan or the devil. Um, the woman isn't tempted, and the woman doesn't tempt the man into eating of the fruit. It, it's it's purely um, a, a mechanical thing here. And, and according to, if you read the actual scripture here in Genesis, the man 
is standing right beside the woman when this happens. So it's not like he doesn't know what's going on. So they both eat of the fruit. It's not an apple. There was no such thing as an apple in the ancient Near East. Um, probably like a pomegranate, maybe. Who knows? Um, but but the idea is that this was like a mythical conception. Um, but in the Hebrew, it's not apple, and it's not like a snake, and it's not Satan. There, there's a certain term for that that comes much later, as we see in places like Job, right? The Hasatan, the 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 accusator. Uh, so for here, in in the instance of uh, this this portion of Genesis, what we see is that the serpent, which has a very, 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 very ancient history and past, not this serpent, but serpents in general, whether it's um, like today when, when we see uh, a medical symbol, you see the kind of like a cross with, with two serpents around it. We have the, the uh, Nehushtan, which we get later on in, in uh, Numbers with, with Moses. Um, th- there's all sorts of fascinating corollaries to a serpent being the symbol of knowledge and wisdom and passing on secrets. So the Aurora Boros, for instance, like the, the idea of um, a snake eating itself to, to depict time, or if you're into things like chakra enlightenment, um, in, in some forms of mystical uh, religion, the, the, the idea that like your your spine is kind of like a serpent inside of you, and you activate your spine by doing these certain exercises and, and motions and movements. So, um, no, the, the the serpent here has legs; it talks, and the woman identifies with it. Yes, it does hiss, and she she later tells God when God comes walking through the evening breeze and says like hey what's going on why did y'all eat from that tree and adam says well this woman that you gave me uh this woman made me eat from it and the woman says no no that that snake he he uh, betrayed me and uh, he tricked me in the hebrew which is he sees which sounds like hiss right um so the idea there is like it, it's again a play on words so no it, it's not the devil question number two um where and how did people come after Adam and Eve? So I get this a lot. I used to get this when I taught this live in, in Sunday school. I used to do this Genesis 1 through 11 bit quite often. Not quite often, but you know, a couple times a year, um, churches would ask me to come in and, and do this sort of thing. So Genesis 1 through 11 is part etiology, E-T-I-O-L-O-G-Y, meaning it... it, it tells how things got to be the way they are and it's part i'm going to say mythology not like greek mythology but mythology in the sense that it's a a true telling of things but not necessarily historical in the way that we think of history all right again let's back up so question to you where does like where does cain's wife come from and we're going to talk about cain's wife tonight on instagram so read that if you get there so history is a very interesting thought technology. In the ancient world, we talk about Thucydides of Athens being the father of history because he wrote the Peloponnesian War, and he has these great speeches by Pericles. And we talk about you know Plato quoting Socrates, or we talk about Aristotle quoting Plato and Socrates. 
We talk about Alexander the Great and, and history that's infused there. History as a concept did not exist until much, much, much later, until about <laughs> until the Enlightenment, really, and post-Enlightenment. So the idea that there was like a CNN record of something, whether it's the Gospels or whether it's, uh, you know, Alfred the Great or King Arthur or, you know, whether it's Jesus, whether it's Moses, whether it's back to Adam and Eve, the idea that humans were sitting down and saying, oh, well, this is very important. Let me write a, a written record of this. That didn't exist. And some would say it doesn't ex- exist now. I mean, we have, you know, the leader of the free world saying every other story that isn't favorable to him or to them uh, is fake news, right? So even now we have historical understandings that differ depending on your persuasion. So if you're a QAnon supporter, you're going to look at a story about Trump, you know, saying that, um, you know, his generals are are, are terrible people. You're going to look at that in a different perspective than you would if you were a far left you know, uh, liberal or something like that. So keep that in mind. History is a very subjective thing. But in the late 20th century, we put a lot of emphasis on history as something that's objective. And there's, you know, Walter Cronkite telling us the truth every night, right? Because we have air conditioning all of a sudden. So we all go inside and we all have this historical understanding of the world. And we're, we're able to say like, well, today, you know, this happened in the, in the United States, and this happened in Paris, and this happened in Indonesia, and these things were historical, and they're on the record. Now that's kind of falling apart, and people are freaked out about it, as they should be, but in the ancient world, that conception of, of kind of the world being this objective place where things happen and we're, we're just kind of observers really didn't exist. So the idea of history as a concept, as a thought technology, wasn't there. So when we talk about Adam and Eve, whether it's in Genesis 1 or Genesis 2, 3 here, the idea that there was some sort of, you know, CNN reporting of, of history just breaks down. I mean, if you compare Genesis 1, Genesis 2, if you compare Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you compare Isaiah and Jeremiah, if you compare Second Kings and Isaiah or Second Kings and Job, like all of these books really start breaking down when you do kind of like this comparative like well why does you know the gospel of john say that jesus went to jerusalem first and he over overthrew the the tables and the temple as one of his first things whereas in the gospel of you know mark that was one of the last things he did and it's because these are retellings and the objective history part just wasn't a thought technology that mattered it wasn't even conceptualized yet so keep that in mind no, there was no historical Adam and Eve. I'm on the record saying that. I'm an ordained Baptist minister, pastor, whatever you want to call. I don't think that Adam and Eve were two historical beings, and out of them came all the gener- generations of humans. That, that's just silliness. This is a, a remembrance of things past that are present in the future. Yeah, and to try to equate that with kind of like a, a you know, CNN re, uh, reconstruction of, of an event just does damage and, and messes up Genesis and the rest of the Old Testament and the rest of the New Testament and, and 
Christian tradition and, and Jewish tradition if you're if you're of the Jewish Jewish uh, faith. So so the idea here is that these are stories that we learn so much from because they are true, but truth doesn't mean they have to be historical. So keep that in mind, especially as we go through the rest of Genesis. And that's that's my big tip takeaway, I guess. Truth does not have to be historical. So many people put those two things together, and that's just not the way that the Bible reads or thinks or says. Truth does not have to be historical. And if, if you think that way, that that's fantastic, good for you, but you're not historical <laughs> because you're misunderstanding what the Bible is talking about and what history is talking about. All right, so we're going to get to Cain and Abel tonight. Um, stay tuned. We're going to be doing these every day, new podcasts. Yay. Again, send a shout out on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, however you, you consume our, our Bible studies, or here in the comments if you'd like. I've got links down below here in the show notes to the things I think are interesting about each text, and I'll be reposting the, uh, the text itself that I write um, on Instagram about each of these texts as we, as we move forward. So we're going through Genesis 11, and then we're going to find out where we go next after that. I don't know. We'll see where the Spirit moves us. Um, I'd love to do more in the Old Testament. We'll see uh, you know, how it goes. I know a lot of people love the Mark stuff. Uh, I think Second Peter was kind of baffling to some people because people don't read Second Peter. Um, but uh, the Genesis stuff is really piquing some interest. So if you have any questions, reach out, sam at samharrelson.com. Uh, All the contact stuff is down below, and we will see you tomorrow.